Between the Lines with Andrea Gilligan. This is News Talk. You're welcome along to News Talks Between the Lines programme with myself, Andrea Gilligan, where we'll be taking a closer look at some of the main stories and issues of interest. My thanks to everyone who got in contact about our last programme, discussing whether or not members of Angarda Shinikona should be allowed to wear body cameras. You can still listen back to the podcast on our website at newstalk.com or on the Go Live app. And as always, you can get in contact with us today by emailing between the lines at newstalk.com or on Twitter at myself at Andrea Gilligan. Well, coming up on today's programme, we'll be discussing the issues facing the childcare sector and in particular the insurance problems that so many creches right across the country are facing. Well, joining me in studio to discuss is Linda Mellon, who's the owner of the Dolman Nursery and Montessori School in County Carlow. Linda, my thanks to you for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Pleasure to be here. Can I ask you first of all, Linda, just tell us for people that wouldn't know you that are listening to the programme today that maybe aren't based in in Carlo. Um, How long are you operating the nursery and Montessori there? I established my crash in 1996. Okay. And um, when I did establish, it was a a private childcare facility. Um, I did my sums. I realised what my costs were. So I charged parents uh, accordingly. I'd I have and I still uh, had then I still have highly qualified staff and um, I have the privilege Mm. of minding fabulous children. And just on that, when we say nursery in Montessori, what age group roughly are you? you Um, We take them from babies. From baby, yeah. Yeah, and right through to after school care. Okay, and how many, just give us an indication roughly, how big is your your crash? How many staff do you employ and how many kids would you have? Well, uh, I take 27 children at one time. But I'd have more than that because some of them are sessional. So we'd have a group that would leave in the morning and then come in the afternoon and then we'd have after school children. So it would be up to 45 children. Okay. And and roughly how many with 40 up to 45 kids at a time, like, you know, in terms of staffing, how many staff would you have? Eight part time staff. And the reason we employ part time staff because we have to have emergency cover. If somebody is out sick, mm. we need emergency cover. We can't, you know, we have to we have to keep our ratios, you know, very yeah. our ratios are very strict. You're taking obviously the children, as you mentioned, from from babies, so the ratios there yeah. would be higher in terms of the number of yes, staff. You exactly. Have to have. For one staff for three babies, but we really have two because you need a second person, like um, for nap for nappy changing and um, bottles and various things like that. So you'll always have somebody. To, to to be a support to that one person who is responsible for the babies in the nursery. You've been operating for a number of years. You mentioned yes, since yeah, 1996. 1996 um, yes. I was reading about you in the paper recently. You said it's no longer sustainable. It's no longer sustainable. As I said, when I was private, um, we charged parents fees accordingly and then they introduced ECCE and then they dictated how much we were allowed to charge and which they were paying us. So they introduced the ECC scheme. Now this scheme runs for 38 weeks of the year but uh, by law staff have to be paid 52 weeks of the year. The ECC scheme doesn't cover us to pay staff for that. So we have to subsidise that by full, um, full-time uh, paying mm. parents in the, in the, in the nursery uh, which is very unfair for parents. But we're left without any choice. So it's very difficult to sustain um, a business and provide the service to pay fair wages and charge parents a fair price, an affordable 
Price. So, so it's sort of it's a private and public childcare facility, really. Would that be right? It's well, I don't think there's anything private. We have seven inspectors. The bookwork and the paperwork is absolutely phenomenal. Uh, to register a child is just one child alone could take up to two and a half hours mm-hmm. to register, and there's a, we have to print out everything in hard copies for parents. So there's up to eight forms per child you know, to print off and have signed and then filed. How frequently do you have to do that? Every time a child starts and then we've to have observations, um, daily records of everything, every nappy change, every sleep, every time... Um, so what's admin we heavy? Floor, yeah. Every time we sweep okay. the floor. But obviously records too are a good thing though. Oh, absolutely. Yes, but these are forensic <laughs> inspections that we get. I mean, every time we wipe the table... Practically, we have okay. to we have to log it. Let me ask you, Linda, in a general sense, um, you've sort of given us a little bit of a snapshot as to how you feel the sector is is operating at the moment. But what are the main hurdles that you're trying to overcome? Um, to make it uh, sustainable, and and to make, in order to make it sustainable, we have to have staff. In order to have staff, you have to pay highly qualified staff mm-hmm. a decent wage, not minimum wage. Not even living wage, but there's very little in the childcare sector even getting living wage. You know, we can't we can't uh, retain staff. It's a crisis all over the country, and if us in the childcare sector have a crisis providing our service, the whole country has a crisis. Who's going to be able to go to work? Okay, who's so, going to mind the kids? So staff, you know? staff is your staff is staff the number one issue. Is, for for me. I've, well, staff makes it unsustainable because I can't pay them enough because the government is paying me unless, again, I keep incre- I constantly increase fees and ask parents to cough up more and more. And parents can't do that. So it's going to drive parents to, uh, will be forced to have their children minded in, in the black market, you know, in places where they're, they're, they're not going to be regulated and they're not going to have first aid and the skills and qualifications that uh, we have in professional childcare sectors. And insurance is something in particular we've heard yes. so much about in recent times. Tell us your experience of the insurance Yes, sector. insurance, obviously, um, this is the straw that broke the camel's back, to be honest with you, Andrea, because this was the last straw. How am I going to Christmas week? I get a bill, you know, €3,580, now, I just said I'm a small crash in Carlo. Where am I going to come up with €3,580 Christmas week in order to open my doors in January? Is that £3,500? Up that, front. Is that higher than previous years? It or was up, it a predicted cost? Or? No, it went up, I was told the week before, it went up from 1400 So it more than doubled? <laughs> more than doubled, exactly. And what was the reason for the double? Um, the previous company pulled out of Ireland and um, this was the, the current this was so the only it was it the only it the quote only, it was the only quote uh, that we were offered okay. at the time now since then a couple of insurance companies have approached us but it's not 100% clear if the cover the cover they're offering is adequate so we're still in negotiations and talking to them but it's still uh, it's still a grey area the government will say that um, for crash owners like yourself, Linda, um, 
that were struggling to, to meet the insurance costs. The government say they were handed a, a form of a lifeline that they announced an emergency funding package for providers um, that were aimed at trying to quell some of the concerns, you know, in the event that they couldn't actually meet the costs of insurance in the coming year. Do you mind me asking asking what you received as part of that emergency funding? They uh, made me a payment called um, Support Transitional Payment, um, it was called. And uh, I was quite pleased when I heard Zappone announce that we were getting 1,500. That would go a long way towards the cost mm. of my bill, my insurance bill. My payment was 175 euros. So that would have meant that your initial, your previous insurance cost of 1400 plus 175 euro would have brought you to 1575. Yeah. And I still had the bill to pay up front before I opened thousand. my doors. And, and what happened to the 1500 euro? I have no idea. I know Z- Zappone um, told us yesterday that she won't be given any more funds towards insurance. So it it was a it was a fund that was to be announced of up to fifteen hundred euro, but you're saying you received one hundred and seventy five. And yes, and I've spoke to many many providers, and uh, uh, that it's from fifty one fifty two euros. Um, I spoke to for insurance that was twelve hundred. I spoke to another lady, and her insurance was five thousand, and she got one thousand. She hasn't opened her doors, actually. On that, while we're on insurance, 12 people uh, approached me yesterday at phone calls and emails. 12 people wanted to let me know that um, they either hadn't opened their doors uh, in January and they're not open, they won't be reopening after June. And this is other providers, is it? Other providers. And uh, sorry, but. People, a lot of nurseries um, providers are just rolling with it until the end of the academic year. Like we have a serious, serious crisis. Okay. I mean, what's going to happen if three and a half thousand euro is the insurance cost, the premium that you have to pay? What what will that mean, Linda? Well, for me, like I'm lucky I, I save and I have rainy day money in case of a crisis in my family. I didn't think I'd have to use that rainy day money for a crisis in my service. You know, and I know many services had to go to banks and credit unions looking for loans and um, they didn't open their doors and uh, they won't. They certainly won't be opening their doors in September. It's particularly sessional, you know, people mm. that just provide ECCE because it's not sustainable. Would you be in a position to continue operating? Uh, personally, I'll fight tooth and nail to stay okay. open. Um, I'm very loyal. I, I have fantastic parents. Mm. I have fabulous staff okay. and I adore children and the service is vital and uh, I find tooth and nail it may be a case that I may only be able to f- provide full time care come September it's something I have to look at Okay, you have to look at the all, all, the, all of the considerations uh, Yeah like when you look at the future of the sector, for instance only earlier this week we heard talk of um, hundreds of crashes maybe considering, you know, planning to shut their doors in the coming yeah. weeks in, in this day of protest. Would that be something that you would be willing to participate in? Yes. Well, on the 7th of January, um, I decided to get the ball rolling and I closed my doors in protest for the day. So you've already held your yes, own private I, protest? Yes, I held my own private protest. 
um, because it had to start somewhere. I know I'm a small service mm. in in Carlo outside Dublin, and but I got an overwhelming amount of support really? from media, from parents, from various child uh, care providers. Mm all over the country and um, I have great support from my local senator Jennifer Murnane and uh, local councillor uh, Fintan Whelan and um, I got tremendous uh, support. I just felt, I, I do feel enough is enough and as I had to start somewhere. Now we, the various um, childcare bodies are planning an all out protest and a march uh, within the next few weeks, mm-hmm. in the coming weeks. Would that be something you'd be willing to participate in? Well, if I close my doors already on yeah, my own, okay. I'll absolutely, yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> I close and I'll have no, no problem closing them again. Do you think, will that highlight, Linda, to uh, to government the effect that this is having? Well, um, how are people going to go to work? Like, a one-off, they might be able to get temporary, somebody temporary to mind their child. They might have um, a friendly neighbour or granny or whatever, maybe once. But we're going to do it every week, mm. as long as we have to. So once or twice isn't going to do it. So we're going to have to, organ- well, we're organising, you know, a, a numerous of a nationwide mm. closures in protest. Now, we're not all members of, of unions, so I, we are my service, so it's not a strike. It's a closure in protest because we, the government has to take immediate, immediate okay. And can I just ask, what happens on a day like that? I mean, do if you're not part of, say, if, if somebody's staff aren't part of a union, do, do the parents still have to pay for that day? I'm leaving it up to the parents. I'm offering the parents a day in lieu on their deposit. They pay a deposit when they start and I'll give them an extra free day at the end. Or if they just want to stop the payment, that's my personal choice. Uh, And for the schemes, the same at the end of the term, I'm offering people on schemes, on ECC, a day in lieu. I wasn't able to open because I have no staff for various reasons. They decided they were unavailable to work on the 7th. Okay. Um, can I just ask you finally, Linda, the, I mean, like, is this something that you've seen coming for a while? Yes, I did. Well, as soon as the ECC was introduced to almost 10 years ago, I realised um, we'd, we'd, at the time we'd, we'd very, obviously they had to introduce various inspectors to make sure uh, the ECCE was being delivered you know, present and correct, you know, uh, for parents. And we didn't have a problem with this. Of course, you know, it should be, you know, regulated and inspected. And there we knew there was going to be extra paperwork. But, oh, my God, were we in for a land? We had no idea we were going to have five inspectors, you know. We had no idea the amount of paperwork. Um, we. But I suppose given the some of the problems that we've seen... Um, in some facilities across the country in recent years, a lot of parents want inspections. They, they well, want we, that. we want inspections. When Before I opened, I was lobbying with NCNA back in 95 and 96 before I opened because it wasn't being regulated. I was part of the one lobbying and um, had various meetings upon meetings to get the government, 
to regulate the childcare sector before I opened. Now, this didn't happen until 1997. So I have no problem being regulated. Mm. But I do have a problem with public forensic regulations on our paperwork that they know how much they're giving us. We do all the paperwork. We submit everything beforehand. And this is times for inspections when we should be minding children. Okay. Just on a final point, um, I know you've made contact with government previously, Linda, as well. Yes, I attended a meeting and I made a pre-budget submission. Um, Just yourself? Just myself, yes, on behalf of myself and uh, another childcare provider in Carlo, Marie Kavanagh. So on behalf of myself and Marie, I went to this meeting. I was a member of Early Childhood Ireland at the time. I am no longer a member since 2015. I went to the meeting uh, with my letter outlining the problems that we were having at the time. Um, One other heavy burden we have is commercial rates. And back then, Simon Harris abolished uh, commercial rates for community services who have the same cost and overheads that we have. Um, But he didn't abolish them for the private private sector. Now, I maintained, since they brought in ECCE, we're providing childcare on behalf of the government in the private sector. So we're no more private. You know, we are being governed and inspected and delivering a service on behalf of the government. Mm-hmm. So why are we paying commercial rates? You know, early child, edu- early years education isn't private. You know, it's not commercial. You know, we can't dictate anything. We can't choose our prices. You know, so um, this letter anyway was completely ignored. This was not taken on in the budget. So I printed out the letter and I hand-delivered it to every minister minister's office. You know, that was in government at the time. Mm. And including uh, James Riley, whose constituency is in the area where I live in Swords. And uh, nobody got back to me. Every single minister okay. ignored. Well, a lot of people just would, I suppose, Linda would say that, I mean, even if crashes are, are operating the EEC scheme, they're also operating a private facility as well and, and therefore they fall under the banner of a private company. You, you can say that, but there's so many schemes we're operating on behalf of the government. We're doing the government paperwork. The government haven't allocated offices for and admin for you know, okay. to deliver these schemes. I pay for the ink. I pay for the admin. I pay for the paper. The government don't. And I pay my staff 52 weeks of the year. I have to, you know, reiterate that, you know, and uh, the poor pay in childcare. You know, they're so highly qualified and uh, they're just, they're dropping out like flies. You know, every childcare facility, including community, are struggling with staff. There's a big staff crisis. Linda Mellon, who's the owner of the Dolman Nursery and Montessori School in County Carlow, my thanks to you for joining us today to highlight uh, some of the concerns facing the industry. Thank you very much for having me. It's been a pleasure. You're listening to News Talks Between the Lines programme. We'll be back with more on this issue in just a moment. Between the Lines on News Talk. You're welcome back to the second part of this week's Between the Lines programme with myself, Andrea Gilligan. This week, we're discussing the childcare sector and in particular, the issues that many providers are facing with regards to insurance. We heard from Linda Mellon a little bit earlier in the programme and I were joined in studio by the chairperson of the Association of Childhood Professionals, Marion Quinn. Marion, thanks to you for joining us today. Um, 
We spoke to a crash own owner, Linda Mellon, um, just in the first part of the programme today, Marion, and Linda talked quite a lot about the, the issues many providers are facing, um, in particular insurance being, being probably, you could say, the key or one of the key issues. Can I just ask, this week there's been a lot of talk about, you know, crash owners planning to shut their doors in the coming weeks in a day of protest. And they say that they're being forced now into this action because of the crisis, they say, that the sector's facing. Um, What's your view on that? Is that move necessary? I think it's definitely necessary. I think in one way it's long overdue. Um, The issue that we're having in early years is a shared problem. It's shared for parents and it's shared for the providers and it's shared for the staff working in the service. There isn't enough funding in early years. And as a result, services are unsustainable. Um, staff are underpaid. I mean, they're the worst paid sector in the, in the country. Um, and parents are paying unaffordable fees, increasingly unaffordable fees. Okay. Um, and without government investment, proper government investment um, to cover that, then that crisis, that problem is going to continue to escalate. So we need the government to realise that while they are increasing funding year on year, a lot of the funding is going into expanding existing service, as in more children availing of the service, as opposed to making it more affordable or more sustainable. So while funding is increasing, it's still at between a fifth and a quarter of what is the recommended um, or the the average rate, rate is um, in the EU um, and that has to change. There's, there's no easy okay. solution to this. Can, can I just ask you, Marion, and, and maybe it's very simple and, and I'm just not seeing it. Can you explain to me how this funding model works? You know, creches wouldn't be operating down through the years if the owners weren't making money out mm. of them. So what has changed? Like, why, why are you, in the last couple of years is the funding of this such an issue? Well, I suppose the funding has been an issue for a while. I mean, it's probably started around recession time because, I mean, obviously parents weren't able to avail of the services because maybe they were working and weren't able to afford it. So um, the free preschool years was known was introduced. It set a cap on sessional services, um, as in it had to be free provision. Um, and that there was no costing done on how much it cost to deliver that scheme. Um, but it was a figure, um, a government figure announced and um, providers heard it in the budget and said, this is what you have to deliver service on. So for a lot of people that was too low. It already reduced what they were charging at the time. Um, For others it was a saving because they didn't have enough children in their services and children were able to come in. So since then, because the government has started investing, well then increasingly they want higher and higher quality so there's higher um, levels of regulation and which costs a lot to deliver. Just just explain this to me. If I decide, Marion, if I go away and train as a childcare provider and I want to open a facility tomorrow morning Mm. Um, and I might decide it's going to be a private facility can I decide pluck a figure out of the sky what I want to charge parents if it's a full daycare so yeah you can if it's if you're providing sessional so like the free preschool year you can't that's 100% government funded there's no charge to parents and how much do you get for that as a provider Um, there's two rates Um, so they get uh, just under 69.50 at a lower rate So, but if the staff has a higher qualification like a degree um, level qualification it's 80 euro per child that's just for the preschool scheme okay um, and that's a ratio of you know 11 children um, one staff member okay. um, but, but in just general bef- Before I go to the preschool scheme if I decide to open a facility because there is demand in the area that mm. I'm in perhaps I have uh, you know a, 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 a vacant premises lying idle I've trained up in early childcare I can decide I want to charge parents 200 quid a day yes. in my private facility Absolutely okay, So you can but I have to pay the staff obviously minimum wage or 
more if they have a degree? Um, well, no, you don't have to pay them more if they have no. a degree. Um, so you can pay the minimum wage. You probably won't get a huge amount of, of staff or you yeah. have a huge high staff turnover okay. if, you're, if you're paying the minimum wage. Um, but that said, there are services paying not more, okay. much more so than minimum So I'll pay wage. My, my, my insurance costs. Mm. What other associated costs? And just first of all, as a private provider. Um, well, if you're a private provider, you're probably paying rates as well, depending yeah. on the size of the service. Um, you're paying, I mean, your utilities, you're paying yeah. the resources, you're paying all the startup costs in terms of the materials, the furniture, etc. Um, you're paying everything that is required to meet the regulations. So in terms of your building, with your fire, so, so presuming the building is, you know, is, is fit for purpose. Um, it's it's the utilities, it's the insurance, it's the rates. So it's, it's like any pub or shopper. It is, yeah. But I suppose in this, because of the ratios um, for the adults to children, um, your costs you, of, of the income coming in, right, typically, um, about 70 to 80% of your costs are going out on wages, even though those wages are so low um, because of the ratios. Okay. Like say for, I mean, if you've got babies, like it's one to three. So, I mean, you're, you're going to That's have to charge staff. high. Yeah, no, yeah, I'm, so I'm just trying to get to, yeah. an understanding of, of what exactly these costs are. So, so in, yeah. in my imaginary private facility, mm. In when you talk about the babies and um, and very very young children, the ratios can be to one to three. So so the cut the staff mm. is the big the, the the biggest cost, but there's no minimum payment they have to receive other than minimum wage. No, no, not at the moment, and that's something that we will be looking for, and um, and we know that the unions are looking for in terms yeah. of that there is, would be a, a particular pay scale for anecdotally, staff. Anecdotally, is there a going rate? Um, well, it varies. I mean, the the Pubble Research, um, which is, you know, Pubble is, is, is a department funder, like they, they administer the funds on, on behalf of the department. Um, and they did um, research that was released there at the end of the year. Um, and they were saying like it's it's just uh, under 11 euro for um, childcare assistance, which is um, over 50% of the workforce. Um, so they're earning less than 11 euro. Now, they give an average of, uh, I forget now the exact figure, but say roughly 12.50 um, for generally um, in relation to early years. Mm. But that includes managers of settings, that includes people who've been working in it for 20, 30 years. Yeah. Um, so that average, okay. you know, at, at less than 13 euro, brings, comes, it comes down quite low as well for the, the lower paid ones. Some some staff might work in a part-time capacity, mm. others in a full-time, but you're saying somewhere in the region, anecdotally, of maybe between minimum wage and then 11 to 12.50. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Talk to me now about where if the um, if I decide I want to open my facility to um, to public funding as well. Mm. You mentioned the preschool scheme, so there's two rates there at sixty nine fifty per child and mm. eighty euro per yes. child. Yeah. What other s- schemes are there as part of the funding model? Well, there's um, what was, was recently opened there in uh, in October was the National Child Care Scheme. Okay, and that is a subsidy scheme. So while the free preschool year is 100% funded, um, the National Child Care Scheme is a subsidy to offset parents' fees. Um, and it's, it's, a, it's a scaled um, fit a fee payment depending on how many children how many hours the children are in the service and depending on what age they are as well I mean there's a slightly higher capitation slightly higher subsidy given for babies um, because obviously the ratio is um, you know lower for babies um, so it, it varies there uh, Just I want to just to go back sorry just to clarify one point mm-hmm. you made there Marion on the, the preschool year that's for instance that figure of say 69.50 that's per child Per week. Per child per week to cover all the costs. But I mean, it's paid over 38 weeks in the year. But for the costs that are 
pretty much yearly costs like your insurance is going to be yearly your rent or premises is going to be yearly etc um, you're going to have to pay your staff so while it's 38 weeks of delivery of the scheme you're going to have to pay your staff the statutory oh. holiday entitlement as well and 69.50 per week I mean is that what it costs to keep a child that qualifies under the preschool scheme in the service no it's not um, like when I was working in early years um, when the scheme was introduced um, so say the service was charging per child um, 300 euro per week uh, or sorry per month um, for the East so that's three hours a day and um, 15 hours a week um, she, that my employer at the time already had to take a cut and that was back in 2010 so she already had to take a cut and that was when the scheme introduced um, I think it was 65 euro uh, or 64.50 was introduced at the time now only um, two or three years ago it rose or no last September it rose got the extra fivers to go up to 69.50 so um, all those costs and all the rest of that have come that have increased over the last 10 years have have not have overshot what already was insufficient funding. Okay, so the government um, announced the free preschool year for parents. Yes. Uh, this is in the budget mm. a number of years ago. Parents are delighted about this. You as the provider get 69.50 to take my child, we'll say for yes. instance, right, um, for how many hours a day per week? Three hours a day, so 15 hours a week. 15 hours mm-hmm. in the week. You get 70 euro to do that. But presumably yes. then if I am paying you separately to mind my child for a longer period of time, I'm making up the shortfall in terms of what I'm paying you then. Yes, so obviously if your child is in part-time care or full day care, so then you'll pay for the extra hours um, and you can avail of that National Child Care Scheme, which is a wraparound subsidy scheme. Um, so you can avail, avail of a subsidy, again, depending on you know the sliding scale, um, to help offset the, the, the cost of the part-time or full day care over and above the three hours. You're saying at the outset of this, Marion, it's the funding model that mm. re- needs really to be revamped. Like, if the €70 Euro isn't meeting the cost of the child for 15 hours in the week, yep. what, what what is actually like, what is actually required? Well, um, it is required, I suppose, looking at if if you've got children who are out, right? So, for instance, um, if you've got children who, like you know, family takes a holiday or family, you know, the child is out sick or whatever like that, um, you could get you could get funding cut, you know, in relation to um, if you're on the national childcare scheme. So we need guaranteed money that there is, like you know, the child books in at the start of the year for a certain type of provision, and then you get paid for that type of provision because you are hiring staff, you know, kind of based on that. But also, um, we need a model that I suppose. Um, means that that children are going to be able to be in the service and parents can afford to have the children in the services for over and above the three hours if if it's what they require. But also, I suppose, if you look at a lot of rural areas where there might not be children for um, going in to fill the service in the morning and in the afternoon, you're going to have that service lying idle in the afternoon, which, you know, is a huge cost to the provider, which makes it, you know, kind of more unaffordable. So... Um, we need a model that looks at, I mean, both urban, rural, large, small, all different types of models and that sees, OK, what are the actual costs and how can we deliver based on those actual costs? Well, presumably, if you said if the scheme only pays for 38 weeks, but the provider is to pay staff for 52. Yes. Well, that's something that, that we've asked for. So um, out of that 38 weeks it paid, also the non-contact time. So when you're not working with children, um, so the preparation, the cleaning, yeah. the, you know, the maintenance, all that sort of stuff that needs to be done outside of that. Um, also, all 
the training, but mandatory and high quality training that the providers or providers and their staff need to do um, to keep, to enhance the quality of the services and maintain the the quality of their services needs to be done. So if all of that was paid, I mean properly, um, that would kind of bring you up to fifty two week year. You know, like if you're saying, okay, people go out at the weekend to do their training or they go out in the evening to do their training. Well, when you take with primary school model in July, there, you know, a lot of teachers go and they do yeah. their training in July, um, and then that's why it kind of what people say well teachers get two months off in the summer well they don't quite get two months because there's some training at that time as well and if that some sort of thing was introduced like that for for um, for early years um, then it would bring it closer to a 52 week model which would make it way more sustainable Why don't we look or what, what would you think of the suggestion of perhaps and maybe it's a long shot on something that may never happen but the government providing what is effectively when we provide primary yeah, school children yeah. with, with education mm. um, in, in non-fee paying schools. Yes. Do we need something like that for childcare? Yeah, I think I think it's definitely time to have the conversation in relation to that. So when you look at it, prime, primary schools were privately um, d- you know, developed. Um, it wasn't the state that took on primary schools. It, it t- typically tended to be the religious or kind of some sort of um, philanthropic organisations and they took it on. Um, and then gradually the government started realising, well this actually is a public service. We need to have input into this, both in terms of quality and in terms of funding to make it affordable because it used to be affordable. So they started providing capitations to the schools and gradually it increased so that it covers pretty much all the costs. I mean, we know schools mm. have to do some kind of local yeah. funding and stuff like that, but it pretty much covers the capitations of it. So this is something they're going to need to start looking at in relation to early years, um, that they gradually, they're not going to be able to afford to build all services at no. the moment I mean, in terms of the cost, but they should look at providing sufficient capitation that covers the full cost of the provision um, and that the provider would deliver it on behalf, you know, on, on behalf of the government, then they could look at when they set the, the rate properly, then they could look at capped fees so that the providers can't be increasing fees and their costs are already covered. So while they'd be making a profit that would um, kind of be able to cover their wages, cover the cost of the building mm. that they are providing for the risk that they're taking, etc., they wouldn't be able to profiteer off it. And that's different. That's where, like, you know, you're kind of making, you know, substantial money over and above. You're kind of cutting the corners, yeah, you're paying staff yeah. the minimum that you need to pay and all the rest of it. Now, presumably people will be listening to this and saying, hang on, I don't have children. Why mm. should my taxpayers' funding yeah. um, provide a public service like this yeah. in childcare? Well, because um, I, I suppose I'm one of those people who don't have children and uh, I already pay my taxes to pay for primary school, secondary school, third level, um, for hospitals, which touch wood, hopefully I won't need. So there's many, many yeah. services that are provided in this society that are public services. So you see and, this as a public and service? And we get to use some of them. We don't get to use others. This definitely is a public service. Okay. It's the foundation for early childhood. We heard Linda Mellon focus specifically earlier in the programme, Marion, on um, insurance costs. Mm. And there's been quite a lot of crash owners and facilities across the country in recent times who've been talking about the possible, the potential of closure because yes. of the, the insurance hikes that they're facing. Can I ask you, you might be able to shed some light on this for us. Um, this emergency fund that was announced by the government, Linda mentioned it was to be up to, I think, €1,500 Euro in some cases. Linda mentioned, for instance, she received €175 Euro in an effort to um, to assist her with her insurance, um, basically, with, with the costs of, mm. of, of running the facility. Um, 
how was that emergency fund, do you know, allocated? Like, how do, how do you qualify or how does it work in terms of what you receive? Yeah, well, first of all, it wasn't to cover insurance. It came at the same time. So um, yeah, okay. it, it was a programme support payment given that there was so much extra work put on providers in terms of registration, etc. this year and the new in the new scheme. Um, but the way it was decided in terms of how much people would get, it was based on um, the programme support payment, which is for administrating schemes that the service provider got in June. So it was one third of what they got in June. And also, if they had signed on to deliver the National Child Care Scheme, they would have got a transition support payment for the administration of that. And it was a third of that rate. So obviously, if you're a larger service, you've got more children and you're delivering both schemes, um, you would have got a higher um, payment um, there in, in December. Um, and if you're a smaller service, you've less children, um, you would have had received a smaller programme support payment early in the year. So you got a smaller amount of money. Okay, so so some people got less than 100. Some people, um, the highest amount amount apparently was 26,000. So as you said, it's it's a programme support scheme. It's nothing to do with insurance at all. It was announced at the exact same time okay. when people were struggling and there was a lot of complaints going in in terms of the costs because there was registration costs as well that were huge to providers um, and it overlapped and people keep saying, okay, look, it's, it's a bailout for um, for insurance. Um, but actually, I mean, when you look at the, the money, mm. the way it, way it actually got paid out to people with some people getting so low, less than 100 and their insurance was like, I'm going to put that by 1,000. Um, the minister announced it as a programme support okay. payment. Just finally, Marion, before we go, because I suppose it is a key issue for so many providers out there um, insurance like what's going to be done to try and address the cost there yeah I mean that's a real worry look it's a worry in the, in the whole of society in relation to what's happening with, with insurance um, there's there's an announcement there there's another insurer who's kind of looking at um, providing insurance but I suppose they don't necessarily provide everything that's required so in terms of professional indemnity and stuff like that um, so we still have essentially a monopoly in this country um, and we know monopolies don't work well for the people who are service users um, so as the insurance continues to rise um, and as we are in a you know, pretty much in a claims culture in Ireland, where where you know insurers have have, have um, can do what they want in relation to um, fees. Um, it's going to continue to be a problem, and it is going to price services out of the out of the market. Um, pretty pretty much s- smaller services. Um, you know. I suppose they have less um, opportunity costs, you know, so it, it's more expensive for them to offer the model they have. Um, in rural areas, it's going to be a huge problem. In urban areas, we might see kind of more corporate type models um, of childcare um, emerging and, and expanding. Um, and that's a real worry because that's a model that has, has got investors. So you've got shareholders you've got to pay out. To, um, so obviously they've got to make um, a substantial profit, not just a, a moderate profit to cover the cost. They've got to make a substantial profit. And I don't think that's a route that we want to go down. We've seen it happen in New Zealand and um, quality has decreased there as a result of it yeah. as because it's gone to profiteering corporate models. We have to avoid that. We'll leave it there for the moment. Marion Quinn, Chairperson of the Association of Childhood Professionals. My thanks to you for joining us on the programme today. Between the Lines on Newstalk. You're welcome back to the final part of News Talks Between the Lines programme with myself, Andrea Gilligan. This week, we're discussing the issues facing the childcare sector in Ireland and in particular with regards to insurance. Well, a little bit earlier on in the programme, we heard from creche owner Linda Mellon in County Carlow and also in the last part of the programme, the chairperson of the Association of Childhood Professionals, Marion Quinn. Well, joining us now in studio is uh, Fine Gael Senator and also Deputy Leader of the Senate and uh, Fine Gael's spokesperson on children, uh, Catherine Noon. Catherine, my thanks to you for your, your time today. No problem. Um, I've no doubt you probably have quite a number of representations from people mm-hmm. across the country echoing some of the concerns raised by, by mm-hmm. Linda and Marion. What's the government doing to address this? Well, 
first of all, I suppose to put it in, in context, over the last number of years, there's been a 141% increase in support for in the childcare sector. So there are 175,000 children who are now receiving subsidies, you know, families that are receiving subsidies for those, those children that weren't previously. There's been a huge overhaul of the system. There effectively was no proper regulated childcare system in Ireland. So it's going to take time for it to be fully functional as such. So over the last year, year and a half, uh, childcare providers have had to re-register. They've had a lot of extra administrative burden, which has caused stress for for providers. So the government does acknowledge that. They made a payment before Christmas to a a lot of creches to try to make some way to make up for that. So, you know, I, I wouldn't sit here and tell you, listen, it's all perfect because it's not and there are challenges. And I would argue that a lot of the workers in the childcare sector are underpaid and therefore feel undervalued. So there has been an international group put in place to review this so that a proper funding model is put in place for creches so that crash business owners are incentivised to pay their staff more. At the moment, those who go out and get a degree, they get paid more. But you're not talking about a lot more. It's it's not mm. a significant sum. Well, so it needs to be an attractive area for people to work in. These people need to be valued. And, um, you know, it's a huge service that they provide to society. Uh, just, just on that particular point, yeah. actually, because the wages of uh, crash workers and the funding model was something highlighted by our last speaker, Marion Quinn, from the um, Association of Childhood Professionals. Can the funding model, though, Catherine, as it is with regards to, say, the um, early education, the childhood scheme, Actually, yeah. yeah, with regards to those particular programmes that are being mm-hmm. rolled out, like, like, can that be revamped? Well, I'm not talking so much about the specific specific funds for ECHE or, or any other initiatives in the childcare area. I'm talking about an overhaul of the way that, um, that the system works when it comes to payment for individuals who work in the childcare system. So there would be incentives for businesses to pay more to people who work like in the sector. what kind of incentives? Um, well, they would be paid part of their uh, subsidies based on how much they pay staff. So it, this is only what I would anticipate will be discussed okay. and, and uh, agreed in a report by this. By, but there's a lot of work to be done on this. And like I said at the outset, it's an area that has had huge reform, uh, huge investment that has to be acknowledged. You know, the, the last government of which I was a member were the first government to ever have a children's minister, which is a full cabinet minister and there has been serious investment in this area so while I do recognise the challenges there has been so much progress um, and that has to be acknowledged. There's been investment but one of the things that many parents I'm sure listening to this today Catherine will say that despite all of that and in particular it's the geographical breakdown where people are living in the country very specifically here in Dublin for instance Uh, crash fees are they're continuing to rise irrespective yeah. of, of that investment that's going into it. And that's frustrating because many times even for the department when you see payments going to individual creche owners you know it's not necessarily being passed on to staff as Mm -hmm. wages Uh, parents aren't necessarily seeing a reduction but with the National Child Care Scheme many parents will be getting assistance so you know uh, creche fees need to reduce but a lot of measures have been put in place that should see that happen over the next period. One of the key issues and Linda touched on it earlier in the show today is of course insurance. Um, First of all it's the ability to actually be in a position to get insurance Mm. and secondly if the creche um, owners 
are getting quotes for insurance. The yeah. premiums, I mean, Linda highlighted her premium that she was been offered is, um, it's actually more than doubled. And, and that's a story yeah. we hear time and time again. Yeah. What more can be done there? Well, I suppose there are two ways of looking at this. From the insurance, uh, overall insurance, the macro insurance issue in the country, let's call it. Um, recently, Minister Donoghue and Mr. Minister Darcy met with the seven uh, main underwriters who work in the Irish market. So there's a huge job of work to be done and ha- it has been going on over the last number of years. Um, recently, we passed legislation that will um, mean, make, the, make the judges uh, sit down and agree a quantum level that is fairer so that insurance levels will come down. So that's uh, that was the Judicial Council bill. And um, that will have the effect of reducing overall premiums. Um, for for the childcare sector specifically, there was a lot of um, controversy, you know, in advance of Christmas with regard to insurers pulling out of the market. I'm happy to say that um, an insurance company called Cullen Insurance have now entered the market. Um, I'm, I'm very satisfied that all but an, a very tiny minority have actually managed to get insurance at a, a price that is reasonable. So we need to encourage as as a government and as I suppose as a market that more insurers enter the, enter the market so that there is competition because at the end of the day if you only have one provider you know you, it's in their hands as to how, how much will be charged for insurance. Can you explain to us uh, Senator how the um, I know it was sort of dubbed the insurance subsidy it's not it's the um, the exact title I can't think off the top of my head at the moment but That the was as a result that, of Quinn Insurance years well, ago the, 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 No the subsidy that was provided to childcare owners just before oh, Christmas yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, with regard to assisting with yeah. the level of administrative how it, how it operated yeah, yeah. Why, sorry I thought you were talking yeah, about the sorry, subsidy in the insurance yeah. market yeah. Um, it's not an insurance subsidy to no. help out with the cost of insurance it was kind of dubbed that pre-Christmas well I suppose it, it they were they happened around the same time so I was at the children's committee when the minister came in and announced this support for um, childcare ch- childcare providers uh, at the end of the day it's I suppose in, it's, it was an administrative um, it was an acknowledgement of the extra administrative work that in, um, childcare providers have had to undertake due to the increased regulation. So, you know, many would complain perhaps that there was a lot more administrative work because of increased regulation, but I don't think there's many people who wouldn't acknowledge that that regulation is badly needed when you're dealing with children. And at the end of the day, I don't think the government should apologise for having created that extra burden in the short term uh, to re-register and the extra regulations, which over time will ease um, that burden will ease for providers but the money was to acknowledge that as well as perhaps uh, to some degree address insurance issues that exist. And also just the administration of that particular subsidy in terms of how you know yeah, Catherine Noon's crash gets X amount yeah. Andrea it, Gilligan's crash gets the it other. It was based um, what they said in the committee that day the officials who were in it was based on the number of children and the number of children that were there maybe half day full day so it was based on I suppose the particular circumstances of particular providers. Um, There's been a lot of discussion um, since earlier this week as well, Catherine, about the idea of, look, a potential, whether it happens or doesn't happen in the next couple of weeks, it could happen down the line, this idea of a one day closure or protest by some crashes yeah. across the country to highlight these concerns. I mean, yeah. it's really testament to the, the level of, of uh, pressure they're facing. Yeah, and it is a sector under pressure for a variety of reasons over the last number of years and that is acknowledged. And, you know, I think workers in the area need to feel appreciated and, um, you know, I, I would hope that all would come to the table and, uh, you know, discuss and try and reach agreement because at the end of the day, parents are hugely dependent on childcare providers 
providers when they go to work, um, you know, and it, and it does create an, um, an onslaught of issues for parents if if there's any sort of protest like that. So I would I would be hopeful. The minister was very responsive before Christmas when she saw issues. She made a payment that went some way to addressing that, um, you know, and I would think that dialogue really is the way forward rather than protest. It, uh, might, it might be an ideological suggestion, but... Um, you know, a lot of people looking at the childcare sector and the issues um, that it's facing at the moment, Catherine, would say that, you know, without the childcare providers, people aren't going to be in a position to go to work. We need people working for the economy exactly. um, contributing to the exchequer, etc. Is there an argu- argument to be made for um, preschool creches to fall under the public State. service remit in the same way as primary yeah. schools? Do? It's a good question and it comes up all the time and you're talking serious, serious, serious investment in something like that that would cost billions to actually put into place. So it's not something that is in the realm of realism at the moment to talk about that. And it's important to remember that Press owners, for the most part, are women who are running a business who need support from the state, but should be encouraged and are providing a great service. You know, and the, you hear about the 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 outliers and perhaps cases where things aren't done that well. But the vast majority of providers are providing an excellent service to children and their parents, and um, that needs to be acknowledged. And just to reiterate the fact that this is a relatively new thing for the country. Not so long ago, there were maybe providers were minding three children, four children. Now they can be minding up to 40, 50 children. And it's a different model. Um, It's being improved. Regulations have been put in place. Investment has been massive Mm. over the last number of years. As I said, an increase of 141% investment. So, you know, it is a work in progress and I'm confident that over the next number of years it, it will have improved uh, significantly more. But no no political appetite at the moment for the idea of a public I don't sector. see how. It's not that there wouldn't be political appetite as such, but it doesn't make any kind of realistic financial sense at the moment to talk in those terms, in my opinion. OK, yeah. we'll leave it there for the moment. My thanks to um, Fine Gael, Senator, the party spokesperson on children and yeah. also the deputy leader of this, uh, the Shannon as well, uh, Catherine Noon, for joining Thank us you. here in studio today. I'm afraid that's all we have time for. If you've missed any of the programme, you can listen back on our website at newstalk.com or you can download the podcast on our app on the Go Loud app. My thanks to the production team, Simon Keane and Stephen Jordan. I'll be back again with Breakfast Briefing on Monday morning from 6am and with Between the Lines this time next week. But for me, Andrea Gilligan, have a good day.